1: If you've been with us, it's like every other month or every other month and a half we get to do Malachi, so I'll try to do a little recap. In chapter 1, Malachi, whose name means messenger, he was a messenger sent by God, he was a prophet sent to Israel, and he was speaking to the nation primarily, but also to the priest in chapter 1. And in chapter 2, he primarily spoke to the priest. Now one of the things I pointed out last time, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been born again, if you know that you're a sinner and that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and that he rose from the dead and that you are sealed with his Holy Spirit, you are known as a priest or a priestess. You are a king of God's kingdom. You are a saint set apart for Jesus Christ. You don't have to be dead to be a saint. You're a saint. A saint simply means set apart for use by God. So in chapters 1 and 2, it was Malachi bringing a message to the people that they were doing things totally opposite what God required. And what we're going to look at tonight, we're going to look at the last part of chapter 2. You have to remember, the book of Malachi was all one parchment. It wasn't separated into the chapters that we have, the four chapters. So, two flows right into three. So, if we pick up in verse 17 of chapter 2, and if you haven't been with us, remember Malachi face the people and they were always having questions they would always come back with a question and you'll see one of the questions here in verse 17 malachi says you have wearied the lord with your words yet you say in what way have we wearied him in that you say everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the lord and he delights in them or where is the god of justice Now even though this was written thousands of years ago, you can apply it to today, because there are people today who say a very similar thing. Matter of fact, a lot of the stuff that was, when I was growing up, that was wrong is right today. It's looked at as okay. And it was similar back here. They were saying that everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. Well, that's garbage. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, so he doesn't change. His word never changes. His standards are always the same. And the other thing is, where is the God of justice? And we live in a world that's not just. We live in a world where there's a lot of uh, bad things that go on and people say, you know, where is God? Why is he allowing this to happen? Why is, all the, why is all this suffering going on? Why doesn't he just intervene in the world, in our individual lives? So the plight of man hasn't changed. But the heart of man changes when they're introduced and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the difference right there, having that one-on-one relationship with Jesus. So as we go in and flow into chapter 3, God is answering the people in chapter 3. He's done it in the other chapters, but you're going to see here in chapter 3 some verses that you'll have seen in Isaiah and in some parts of the New Testament. Now the cool thing about the book of Malachi as some of you know, it's the last book of the Old Testament. There's 400 years silence at the end of this book. And we talked about that. Can you imagine having four years, 400 years where you don't hear anything from the Lord? I don't know about you, but I don't want to go four seconds without hearing something from the Lord or being in fellowship with the Lord. Because I know in my life, even though I'm only 21 years old, (laughs) that when I have gone without the Lord, I know what takes place in my life. I know what takes place in my heart. I know what takes place in my mind, and it's not good. I need to be connected to Jesus 24-7, 365. So... In this verse, there's only 55 verses, I believe, in the whole book of Malachi. About 55. And 48 of those verses, God refers to himself in the first person. And it's pretty appropriate that the last book of the Old Testament is where God is really trying to communicate his love and concern to his people because it's going to be 400 years before John the Baptist comes on the scene and then of course Jesus Christ 400 years of silence so in chapter 3 verse 1 it says behold I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Behold, I send my messenger. Isn't it pretty neat that Malachi's name means messenger? But as we look in verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way. Notice, he will prepare the way before me. Here's that first person again. Now, the the messenger, of course, is John the Baptist. In 400 years, John the Baptist is going to come on the scene, and he's going to prepare the way before me. This is Jesus Christ speaking right here in chapter 3 of Malachi before he was even born. So he has given the people a hope. He's given the people a promise. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And I was just thinking some of the things over the years in the New Testament that we've read where Jesus Christ came into the temple. We know that he came for the first time when his mom presented him in the temple. And there were a couple people there that had been praying for a long, long time for the Messiah to come. So he was just a little baby as his mom brought him to the temple. Then when he was 12 years old, the family made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And if you remember, it was during the Passover. And after the Passover was over, the family went back, but they didn't know where Jesus was. So Mary and Joseph had to go back to Jerusalem and they found him in the temple conversing with the rabbis, with the priests. And they never saw anybody so young that had so much authority. And then we see years later when he actually started his ministry after John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. He goes to the temple One of the times we know he overthrew the money changers. He turned the tables on them. Then when he died on the cross, if you remember, the temple, the curtain in the temple tore from the top to the bottom as Jesus died on the cross. Represented to you and me, freedom to enter any time into his presence. And the Bible says that we should have boldness to go into the presence of God. You and I have the privilege that the Old Testament people did not have that we can go right into God's throne room anytime. Because if you're a believer here tonight, the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee. He sealed you with His Holy Spirit. In the middle of the night tonight when you wake up, you can have fellowship with God. On your way home, you can have fellowship with God. At work, no matter, there's no place that you can go that God isn't right there with you, and you can have fellowship. But back in the Old Testament, the priest was the mediator between God and man. He would go and pray for the people. And once a year, he would go behind that curtain for a blood sacrifice for himself and all the people in the nation. But when Jesus died on the cross and said it was finished, that veil tore from the top to the bottom meaning there was no longer further need for sacrifice for sins, that the only mediator now between God and man was Jesus Christ. We only need to go through Jesus to enter in the presence of God, for He is God Himself. So there was another time that the temple had God's presence in it. One day in Jerusalem, when the third temple is built, Jesus will be sitting on the throne for a 1,000 years. And you and I will be with him, according to the prophecies in the Bible. So there are, those are some of the major times that Jesus was in the temple. Now notice in that first verse, and he will prepare the way before me. John the Baptist, of course, did that when Jesus came here the first time, when he grew and he was around 30, 33 years old. And John the Baptist prepared the way. Back in these days when there was a king coming from one land to another or returning to his land, there would be a messenger, an ambassador that would go in front of the king, preparing his way, making sure the route was okay and and clearing the road of any obstacles. And this is what John the Baptist did before Jesus started his earthly ministry. But notice where it says and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. Jesus Christ came on the scene 400 years after Malachi. The covenant that was the first covenant, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was a covenant of following the law, that if you kept all 600 laws, we know them as the Ten Commandments, if you kept the Ten Commandments, perfectly for all your life bang you're right in the kingdom you're in heaven but if you break one of those commandments just one it's like breaking all 10 and the other 600 you're doomed you're going to hell bad news you don't keep that old covenant bad news but jesus came the messenger of the covenant he came and said i have good news I'm going to die in your place because I know you can't keep the law. The law, remember, is like a tutor that leads you to Christ. Once the teacher comes back, there's no longer a need for the tutor. So now Jesus came on the scene. We just have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We follow Jesus. And by following Jesus, we fulfill the law. The law is not a bad thing. The law is awesome. But we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace we're under grace It's by grace through faith it's not of our works we can't boast about it it's all that Jesus did so he's that messenger of brought the old covenant to an end and the new covenant the new testament we live by faith now in the one who fulfilled the old and brought us the new none other than Jesus Christ Awesome. Awesome. We keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And hopefully, as this goes, even the messenger of the covenant in verse 1 still, in whom you delight, our delight should be in the Lord. When we're having a bad day, we just have to remember we're saved, we're going to heaven. Everything's awesome, everything's covered. The temporary things that we have to go through are just that, temporary. We're heading to a different place. We have the hope that no one else has. We have the hope that we can give the hopeless. We we have the light that we can give people that are in darkness. We were all in darkness. We know what coming to the light means. Jesus is the light of the world. If you can... Flip with me for a minute to Isaiah chapter 61, Isaiah 61, as we keep looking at this first verse of Malachi. Chapter 61, and we're just going to look at a couple verses, but I want to set the scene for you. And I'm going to read another portion of scripture and then come to, back to Isaiah where you are. So if you just hold your place for a second. I was privileged uh, several years ago to go to Nazareth, to go to a synagogue that was probably half the size of if you just split this church in half. So just picture half the size and I don't even think it was this long. So just picture a stone st- uh, stone walls all the way around and just half the church. And this is where Jesus was in the scripture I'm going to read right now. This is from Luke chapter 4, and it says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now what I want you to do is look at Isaiah 61 verse 1 and i'm going to read a portion from the new testament book of luke but it's from isaiah the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and all the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now in Isaiah as you follow it along, when I came to an end, your verse continues. There's a comma, but Jesus stopped at that comma. And there's a reason he stopped. And we can see this in Malachi because we're seeing two parts of what Jesus did in history. What I just read to you and what you just followed is what he did while he was on this earth the first time he preached the gospel to the poor he healed the brokenhearted he proclaimed liberty to the captives he healed the blind he set at liberty those who were oppressed and he proclaimed the acceptable year of the Lord but what he did not do is the second part after the comma and the day of vengeance of our God That day of vengeance has not come yet. That day of vengeance is something that's still in the future. Okay, so what we're seeing in Malachi at the end of verse 1, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hopes. And now in verse 2, we're picking up that verse after the comma in Isaiah. Verse 2 of Malachi. But who can endure... The day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. Okay, we can go back to Malachi. So, the question that Malachi has in chapter 3, verse 2 is who can endure the day of his coming? Who's going to endure when Christ comes again? Because when he comes again, it's going to be with a vengeance. He's going to come again. Who's going to stand? Well, I'll tell you who's not going to be able to endure and who's not going to be able to stand are those people who have not received him as their Lord and Savior. They're not going to stand. They're going to fall and tremble in his presence. Isn't it awesome that that didn't happen last week for some of you or last year or five years ago or 20 years ago, that the day of the Lord, the day of His vengeance didn't take place, that He shed His grace on you and He shed His grace on me, that we're standing on the other side in His mercy and grace? But we know plenty of people that we need to continue to pray for, that God breaks down the walls, that they see Jesus in the same way that we've seen Jesus. When he comes the next time, a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap, a refiner will look into the furnace and he'll see the gold or the silver being purified and he'll see the liquid And he knows that all the impurities are gone when he can see his image in that pot or that cauldron. Question, what has God allowed you to go through that has purified you? Can you think of something? Can you think of a lot of things maybe depending on your age? Young people, don't think it's something unusual when you go through things, okay? If you've played any sports, one of the things a good coach tries to do is work you out hard so the game is easy. Brings you through some hard exercises and a lot of sweat and mental and physical pain in order to prepare you for the contest or the game coming. How much more so Jesus? He knows what's coming in our lives. He knows what's happening. He knows how to get us purified. He's that launderer's soap. He's He's the fire refining us. Verse 3, He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now remember in the past couple of chapters, especially chapter 2, the priests were out to lunch. If you remember what they were doing, instead of offering an unblemished animal, they were having one-eyed lambs, three-legged cattle. They were sick animals. They were sacrificing to to God instead of giving their best. Question. Do you and I give our best to the Lord? Or are we just given portions? Do we save our best for something else? May it never be. May we always give the best that we have to Jesus, for he deserves the best of our energy, of our passion, of our efforts. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. but Vinny, I wasn't even born when Jesus came. Yeah, but he knew your name before your parents, grandparents, anybody was born. When he was on that cross, he saw you sitting in here in Jamesburg because he's God, he knows all things. He's all-knowing. That's what kept him on the cross, you and me. Chapter 2, the Levitical priesthood really was messed up. So here we see in verse 3 that he's going to purify the sons of Levi. And one of the things that takes place is they're going to be taken over by another nation. They're going to go through hardship. People are going to die. Sunday in our teen group, if, we, if this was a plane right now, we're on a plane, and the pilot came on and said, everybody, I don't want you to panic, but we're going to crash. And we have a stewardess that's going to come in, and she's going to give you a two-minute lesson on how to put on your parachute and how to open it, because in the third minute, we're going to be evacuating the plane. How good would you listen? How attentive would you be if you've never had anything, any experience with the parachute or the technique of doing it? How intent and focused would you be? A lot. Oh, my goodness, I'd be hanging on every word. Jesus has given us his parachute manual from Genesis to Revelation. Do we hang on his words? For this is our spiritual health and our spiritual life. But do we look at it that way? After 9 11, all the churches were packed for a few months. They were packed. Then they faded away. During the election, a lot of people were praying. Churches were open for prayer. Has that faded? Where's that intensity? What that part of our human nature, right, that is a weakness that we forget where we came from or what we were delivered from until we're hit again with it. Lord, make us a people that aren't like that, that we stay on the cutting edge all the time with that parachute on, ready to go. All the time. Last part of verse 3, and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Verse 4, then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in the former years. Remember the uh, skit, if you hear with the chisel, and I was just thinking about the refiner, looking into that, uh, the gold being purified, and until he sees his image, he's going to keep that gold on that fire, in that furnace. When people look at you, do they see Jesus Christ? Are you a reflection of your Lord and Savior? You probably could say, yeah, sometimes, boy, I have some bad days. Well, you know what? The Lord's not finished with us yet. He's still refining. He's still purifying. So don't get discouraged. That verse in scripture is real. It's, it's a fact that Jesus Christ is the author and the perfecter of your faith. That's good news. It's not up to us to perfect our faith. It's up to the author. It's up to Jesus Christ. Verse 5, And I will come near you for judgment. I will be, swift, will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans and against those who turn away an alien because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Now remember, a lot of times these nations that came, over, uh, came in to and captured Israel, their religion was based in the occult. It was based in a lot of sorcery. Okay, there would be a lot of... Um, occult practices going on so here we see that when the lord does come back it will be swift dealing with these things but let's take an application to our society today let's look at sorcery for a second think of the number of occultic things that go on in the united states of america Think of fortune-telling, psychic reading. Think of tarot cards, reading tea leaves. The only way I read tea leaves is if it's like an herbal tea and what flavor it is. That should be the extent of our tea leave reading. But sorcery, think of the movies. Um, think of things that are out there, especially, it's, it's one thing for adults watching something but how about some of the exposure to the young kids of different occultic things you know wizards and witches and things like that it's a pathway think of the Ouija board one of the best-selling games in the toy stores it's a doorway to the occult these are things that are out there against adulterers think of the just look at the misuse of sex in our society Think of how crazy sex has gotten in in our society. You know, from the sex slave trade to pornography uh, to promiscuity, it's wrong. Remember, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Fire in the fireplace, awesome on a nice cold winter day. But boy, that fire out of that fireplace sets a house on fire. God has given us standards and boundaries because he cares for us. How many people's hearts have been broken? How many people's lives have been shattered because the sexual fires have gotten out of the fireplace? Against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows, they say that 2% of the world controls the other 90 plus percent financially. 2% 2% of the world controls the rest of the world financially. The real, real rich you know, and famous people. Tonight's message is, the title is No Fear, and we see that at the end of verse 5. Because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. They do all these things, everything tied up in the sorcery, adultery, perjury, everything that was listed there. Remember, just think of the abuse of drugs today throughout our country and the world. Remember the word pharmakia is sorcery. Okay, it's tied up, the drugs and the occult, the getting you out of following the spirit of the Lord to follow some foreign spirit. Always have control of yourself. Don't allow anything but the Lord to move you to other places. That's huge. That's huge. Verse 6, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Thank you, Lord, for never changing. Thank you for being stable and steady, right? He never changes. You don't have to worry about God changing. He truly is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you see is what you get. What you are revealed in the Scriptures is who He is. His personality, His character, His love. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Imagine if the Lord, one day he was having a good day, let you pass, the next day he's having a bad day and you're toast. You're consumed. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Awesome. His grace and mercy is new every morning to you and to me. Don't ever forget that. Don't let the enemy lie to you that you're not a child of God, that you're not loved by God. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. Jesus Christ died for you, and if you accepted Him, you're His son, you're His daughter forever, throughout eternity. Verse 7, Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. There's repentance right there. Having that healthy fear of the Lord People sin because they don't reverence God. They don't have that fear. But what does Proverbs say? The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. A reverence, a respect, an awe, a fear. My dad was a colonel in the army. I knew when he meant business and I didn't mess. I did one time and I was on my butt on the ground next to the kitchen table. I love my dad. He loved me. But there was a healthy fear. Do we have that reverence and love and fear of the Lord? He's in control of all circumstances and all people. This world is not out of control. Remember, it's not falling apart. It's fallen right in place according to God's plan. We don't understand everything. But when you don't understand everything, hold on to the things that God has revealed to you. Hold on to the things that you know about God. He'll make everything clear one day. So return to me and I will return to you. If you're here tonight and you're not following the Lord, he's saying to you, return to me. In order to return to something, you have to go back. You have to turn and you've got to go back. Another word for repentance is just turn. Go back to the one who loves you and who died for you and who made you. But you said, in what way shall we return? Verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, here's another one of those questions, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now you've got to remember back here in the agricultural and the farming community, They were required to give their firstborn animal, the first fruits of their grain to the temple, to the priests. That's how they fed, and that's how they kept going to be able to feed the people spiritually. They weren't doing that. They were negating their obligation. Now, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. So how does that supply to us? Well, We should be wanting to give everything to the Lord, everything we have from our physical efforts to our spiritual focus. And of course, you know, there's no envelopes that go through here on Sundays. One of the great things here is you are free in the spirit to give as the Lord leaves and we never ask people who are visiting the church to give. But just like we have a home and you have a home and you have bills to pay, so does the church. But you're led by the Spirit. It's not that obligation that you have to give X amount of dollars every week. You have the freedom in the Lord to do that. So here is Malachi trying to tell the people, you've got to return to the things that the Lord wanted you to do. Verse 11, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. There shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Remember, one of the things that the Lord did because he loved the nation of Israel so much is when they didn't obey him, there were droughts. There was no bread. He would get them right where he got their attention. He woke them up by shaking them up and they returned to him. Then they would do it again and he would do it again. He'd go back and forth like a ping pong ball but they just didn't get it. But you have the Holy Spirit living in you. His laws are written on your hearts. Do you hear His voice speaking to you every day? If not, get your face in the book. Get your face in His Word. His voice will become clearer to you. You'll be able to discern those things as you spend time with Him. Verse 12, And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. One of the great things I love of the scriptures is Israel is still the apple of God's eye. He's going to restore the nation Israel. In his promises, he's going to restore them. They are away from him right now. But Benjamin Netanyahu holds Old Testament Bible studies. He's been doing this for years. He's also spoke at a Calvary chapel several years ago. So he was exposed to the gospel. He understands that born-again believers are on Israel's side. That's awesome. Because the Bible says by our lives, by our interaction... Let's stir up jealousy among the Jewish people in a good way so their eyes get back on the God of the Bible and that they will be saved. And think of the prophecies of 144,000. 12,000 from each of the tribes are going to be the evangelists during the end times going throughout the whole world preaching the gospel. These are Messianic Jews that will do this. Verse 13, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord, yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up that they even tempt God and go free. So what's happening in verses 14 and 15 are the people are complaining. They're seeing that the wicked are profiting. The wicked are getting richer. They're seeing that even people who go tempt God, they go free, nothing happens. They're not hit by a lightning bolt. It's getting them upset because they're following the Lord and they might be struggling through life. They can't get the balance, like, what's going on? Why are we doing what we're doing? Verse 16, and those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Notice there's a group complaining, but in verse 16, we're introduced to another group. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. In the New Testament, the way the church grew was that people came together and got into God's word. They broke bread together. They hung out together. They prayed for one another. They lifted each other up. They went through the struggles that other people go through in their congregation. And the church grew daily based on that. So you have in verses 14 and 15, those people that were complaining and checking out. But then in verse 16, you had those people who read the Bible, who met probably a couple times a week, getting into God's word and praying. There's always that group of people who do that. That's comforting to know. You're some of those people. You're a small portion of those people throughout the world that are doing this very thing in 16, that those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and he heard them. If we could paint a picture, can you picture God coming out of the heavens? And his big ear is right over Calvary Chapel, Janesburg right now. And he's listening. He's listening to your singing. He's listening to your heart right now, right here. The Bible says where two or more are gathering in his name, he's right there in the midst. He's right here in a very supernatural and special way. That's pretty radical. That's pretty awesome. And as we continue halfway down in 16, so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. You're meditating on his name tonight. Hopefully this isn't the first time today you did that. But you're meditating on his name right now. If The Lord came for us right now. Wouldn't this be a great place to go from right here? Right with the Lord in the body of believers? How cool would that be? We're meditating on His name right now. We're fearing the Lord. We're showing an aweness, a reverence, a respect right now. There's a fear of the Lord right now in this place. How how great is that? And remember, without that fear, without that reverence, without that awe, people were just doing their own thing. Whatever was right in their eyes, they were doing Verse 17, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. I love that part that they shall be mine says the Lord of hosts, you're his. If you've received Jesus into your life, you're his. If you trust Jesus, you're his. You're one of his jewels. Remember, a jewel is something that's produced under a lot of pressure. A jewel has many shapes and sizes and colors and beauty. A a jewel is unique by itself. It can be found many different places all over the world. And when jewels come together in one place, it just shines and glows. And you're compared as one of those jewels. Verse 18 then you shall again dis- discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. There's no fear for those who are in the Lord there's no fear for those people who are there's no fear of God for those people who are doing their own thing there's no fear for you if you're following the Lord where are we with our society today how many of our society how many of the people in your schools your uh, churches business workplaces You don't really know if they're believers in Jesus or not. And there's the parable of the tares and the wheat. And remember, Jesus' apostles' disciples wanted to go and tear the tares away. And Jesus says, no, no, let them grow and mature. Let's see what happens. And then you'll be able to tell really distinctly who are those that are following the Lord and who are not following the Lord. And right here... It says, you'll again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve Him. Just be faithful in the things that the Lord calls you to do. The same with me. Let me just be faithful in those things He puts in my path the rest of tonight, tomorrow. And along that way, you'll touch another life. You'll come in contact with people who have been through some of the things that you've been through. And you can share how the Lord ministered to you in a real way. You don't have to make up stories. You don't have to rely on some story you heard in church for your God's story. Your God's purpose and plan for the, purpose, the person that you're meeting tonight, tomorrow.